Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. We have been um, lifting, or we've been uh, in this series for the last couple weeks called that I've been calling Unfrozen. And, you know, the, the concept being that I've often heard the church referred to as the frozen chosen, and we don't want to be the frozen chosen. We want to be church alive, church with the poles, church on fire. And, and so this is what I know about church, and I've said this, you know, a few weeks ago, that one of the easiest things in the world, one of the easiest targets in the world uh, nowadays is the church. It's so easy and so popular to kind of just bag on the church and uh, make it the expense of jokes and criticism and, and everything. And some of that, quite honestly, is uh, well-deserved. Uh, some, of, you know, some of the criticism or the ridicule that the church gets is because of, you know, boneheaded things that the church has done. And so, um, however, however, I want us to kind of pull out of that mentality of, you know, the church as the easy target and instead look at the church uh, the way Christ meant it to be, the way Christ meant it to be. And as easy as it is to, to pick on the church, and, 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 you know, it may not just even be about picking on the church. For some of you, it could be that you have a, kind of a... Um, a disdain for the church, um, almost disgust for the church, uh, that you have been in church situations where you have been uh, burned or stabbed in the back or mistreated or, uh, you know, shown anything but love. And I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm just going to tell you right now, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, whenever I'm talking to people about, you know, having a relationship with Christ and getting involved in church and things like that, and anybody's like, well, you wouldn't believe, you know, the stories I've got about, you know, this church I went to. And, and, I, and I can I can always, pretty much always trump anybody's story, right? Like, I, I've just, I've had some nasty experiences with church throughout my life. And, and so I know what, um, I know where that um, discomfort or even disgust uh, for church can come from and what it can feel like. Um, and I've told you all before that, you know, there, there was a period of time, you know, after, after Jamie and I were married um, and I was getting into, you know, kind of um, vocational ministry, um, there was a period of time where I was so discouraged and um, that I really developed kind of a hate relationship with the church. I was a, I was a pastor who hated church, which is, that doesn't work very well. It doesn't work very well. And so, and a lot of, and, and we were, you know, we were working in churches that honestly, um, I wouldn't invite anybody to our church because they, they were that dysfunctional. They were that unhealthy. And it, and it was like, and it wasn't that I didn't want to tell people about Jesus. I wanted to tell people about Jesus. I just wanted to tell them to go to a better church, right? And so um, it was, again, just kind of a weird relationship and weird attitude I had towards the church until um, finally the Lord kind of got a hold of my heart, and and um, one day when I was studying the Bible, it was like he told me, um, how can you say you love me but hate my bride? How can you say you love me but hate my bride? And that was kind of the beginning of 
of me kind of putting in some prayer and work into changing my attitude about the Church of Christ, the Church of Jesus Christ. And so um, it was not an overnight transformation. It was something that I really had to commit to God in prayer and, and say, God, I, I want you to change my heart about this. I, I want, I don't want to be the pastor that hates church anymore. I want to be, uh, um, I want to love church. I want to love your bride. And um, and by the way, it, it, I mean, if we're honest to the teaching of the Bible and we get our eyes, you know, our, our heads around that idea that uh, the church is not so much an organization as it is us, you know, that there's what some self hate there, right? If you say you hate the church and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're basically saying you hate yourself. And uh, and I could go into a whole different sermon about that that I'm not going to go into. But um, it, to, to get us to a point to where um, we can love the church, and again, I don't know where you are, what kind of what baggage you come in to the room with this morning. Um, but if you have any of that kind of lingering uh, distrust or disillusionment or whatever it is or disgust uh, with the church, I want to challenge you this morning to give that to God and commit that to him and allow him to change your heart and learn to fall in love with the church all over again. Because there was a point in your life, I'm going to bet, when that wasn't the case. There was a point in your life where you had a, a good experience. Maybe it was when you were brand new in your faith and everything was exciting. And then once you kind of dove into church life, you, you got disillusioned after that or whatever. Maybe you're not there at all. If you're not disillusioned, I'm not trying to drag you into disillusionment. So, so you, you stay right where you are, okay? Uh, but, but whatever the case is, I, I want to challenge you to learn to love the church. Now, I can tell you that, that I, I learned to love the church again. God did a, a transformational work on my heart. Um, Several several years ago, long before I, I came to Living Hope, and I was so, and part of that experience was um, of him changing my heart was uh, us finally getting into a church uh, that we that we loved, that was healthy, and that was uh, Christ honoring, Christ centered, uh, that was the model of love and forgiveness and grace that that I think Christ means for the church to be. Um, and, and getting into a healthy environment where that was possible really helped transform uh, our heart, even to the point that after we left that church and went to another church that was not the model of health and was dysfunctional, um, I still had learned to love the church, even though um, I, I wouldn't mind, have minded burying a few of its members. Um, and so it was, it was you know, it, I, I genuinely loved the church. I loved the body of Christ. When we came here, uh, that love just grew and grew and grew. You guys hear me say it all the time, and you, you guys think I'm drinking my own Kool-Aid or whatever it is. But um, the the word I constantly use to describe Living Hope Church is just beautiful. It's just a beautiful church, beautiful congregation. Uh, you guys bowl me over uh, on a regular basis with your love of Christ, with your love for each other, with your love for our community, and the way you will go to extreme means to show that love, um, with your unity, uh, you guys are a very agreeable <laughs> congregation, and um, it, it is, it's the highest honor of my life to serve you as your pastor, and this church and its beauty has 
um, has been very instrumental in renewing my hope in the Bride of Christ and helping me see the Bride of Christ, the church, uh, the way that Christ, I think, sees her. And so, now there, there, there's some things about us that make us, you know, I mean, I, I don't think you have to be a living hoper to appreciate the church. But there are some things about us that, that make us a little bit uh, unique. Um, you know, if you go to different congregations, you're going to experience different things. And I'm not here to bag on any other congregation. That's, that's, not, that's not my purpose. Um, it's just that different congregations are different, and rightly so. That's, that's what, part of what makes the kingdom beautiful as well. Um, that we're not all cookie-cutter churches, that we, we all have our own, you know, kind of flavor. And, um, and that's what makes us so beautiful. Um, let me tell you a little bit today about the flavor of Living Hope. And, um, and, and if you've been here for very long, you've already recognized these things. Uh, we spent uh, several weeks talking about these things last year. And I'm just going to kind of really quickly review them. You'll find them on our website under our core values. And there, it's just a handful of statements that I think do, does a really good job of kind of summing up who we are and what's important to us as a church. And the first one is this, uh, that we will pursue an intimate relationship with God because he pursues us. We're not looking for religion. We're not looking for, you know, perfect church attendance, that sort of thing. What we're looking for is relationship with the maker of the universe. And as we pursue that with him, um, we, we do that because we recognize that he is in pursuit of us. That he loves us so much that he would go to extreme means to, uh, to sacrifice his own son so that we could live in relationship with him. And so out of uh, love and honor and everything else for that sacrifice, we're going to pursue him back. We don't want to be passive about our relationship with Christ, we want we want this relationship to feel alive and important and significant and and passionate. Uh, we want to pursue Jesus Christ, Amen. Amen. And so, as as we do that, we also we recognize the Bible as God's word to us and the final authority for our lives. And what the, all that simply means is that at Living Hope Church, the Bible is a big deal. That we that the Bible is the is the benchmark for everything that we do. Uh, not just in church life, but in our individual lives, that we are a congregation united around the truth of God's word. And as we're living the lives that we're living and we're doing the things that, that we feel God is calling us to do, we lift up um, that, that word as our measure of what truth is. And if it doesn't fall in line with that word, then we don't do it. Then we don't do it. There's a, you've heard me say a lot, of, a lot of times before, you know, people are constantly coming to me with, with uh, ideas for ministry and that sort of thing. That's great. I love that. But there are some there are some things that we just say no to, and it's not because they're bad ideas. In fact, some of them are fantastic ideas. But some, but but they're just not in line with our gospel mission as a church. And we can't do everything. And so we choose very specifically to to do those things that that are are commanded by God's word and and, and center around His word and His truth. And so we're going to be a church church that holds to that truth. We're also an honest-to-goodness family, and we'll love each other, respect each other, and point each other to Jesus, even when it's hard. Even when it's hard. In other words, we are a family, and we love each other like a family. And, and, but what we're going we're gonna to take it just beyond feeling good about each other, 
We're going we're gonna to dig into each other's lives in hard ways because we love each other. So, so when we see each other, you know, if, I, if I see you or you see me um, going down a path that is a little bit destructive or contrary to God's word in any way, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have a, a hard conversation with each other, a loving, loving, compassionate, caring conversation with each other to say, I noticed this and I'm worried about you. How can I help? And, and that sort of thing. And we're going to point each other back to that truth of God's word. And we're going to have those hard, because when we have those hard conversations, even though they're hard, and even though they're not something that we enjoy to enjoy doing, and you don't enjoy having those conversations with any, each other any more than I do, it's the way we show love. It's the way, don't, don't, miss, don't miss that simple fact. That if you're a part of a congregation that is just going to See dysfunction or sin in your life, poor, bad wisdom, whatever you want to call it, going on in your life, and just um, kind of wink it off, ignore it. Um, that congregation does not love you. They just don't. They're more concerned with keeping the peace than they are about loving you closer to so one of the things I do love about our church is that we're not afraid to, um, even though we might be nervous about it, we're not afraid to have some hard conversations with each other. I, you know, you guys have had some of those conversations with me and I with you. I've seen you have them with each other. Again, not ugly, not hateful, not judging, just simply in love. I see this and I'm concerned. And I, I just wanted to let you know, and, and how can I help that sort of thing? It's beautiful when that happens. It's difficult, but it's beautiful. Um, the other one there is that we're going to laugh hard, loud, and often. And nothing is more fun than serving God with the people that you love. And so we, we believe that if you're not having fun at church, you're not doing it right. And so we, we want to we be a church that, that we get together and we laugh and we have a good time. And we're serious about this gospel mission that we're on. And we take it very seriously. But we're not afraid to laugh our way through it and have, have fun you know, serving God because it is it, it's, it is fun, especially when you find a church that you just click with and the people that you, you know, the, those people that you just click with uh, and that you're like-minded with, you can get together and, and it is so much fun. Like, I, I wish I could, um, <laughs> I wish I could record um, and, and for, for you all to listen to our elder meetings sometimes because they're not what you think. I'm just going to say that, okay? It is, it, we, we have so much fun, and we, we laugh so hard, and it's been that way with, with all the elders that have served at, at our church. There's just so much laugh. I remember my very first elder meeting, Bill Lockwood was in the room, and um, it quickly descended into pulling fingers, and it was just, that was my very first meeting. My very first meeting. And, and uh, I just, I, it's just, you know, it's just guys being guys, and, and, but, but having fun serving, serving God as we do it is it's such an honor to serve with our elders. Um, the next one there is we believe it's a sin to make the gospel boring. We'll constantly surprise people with engaging presentations in extraordinary, unexpected environments. What, and what a shame when the gospel does become boring. Because it is the, it is the life-changing message that the world needs. It, it is the answer to the cure, or it is the cure to the human condition. And, and, and the whole world stands in need of this gospel. And when we bore people to death with 
however, you know, whatever it is that, that we do to bore people, you know, whether it's, you know, making it too, I don't know, I don't know, whatever bores you, making it too intellectual, making it too whatever, I, I don't know, making it dry, keeping it serious, very stoic, you know, uh, speaking in King James English all the time or whatever, I, I don't know how you do that, but, but whatever that looks like, we have just decided it is, it, it is, it is, it is a sin to make the gospel boring. It is a sin to bore kids with the story of Jesus Christ. And so we are going to do everything we can to present that life-changing message in a life-changing way. The other thing there is that we'll do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people no one is reaching, we'll have to do things no one is doing. Uh, we, we, want to go, we want to go to extreme means to, to reach the lost and to bring people into relationship with Christ. And, and, and unconventional, if necessary, whatever we feel God leading us into um, and, and that's what, and that goes to our heart uh, as a church to reach the lost. We're not so much interested in uh, stealing, uh, you know, church members from other churches and growing, you know, making us the biggest church in town at the expense of being competitive with the other churches. That's not what we're at, at. What we're after here. What we are after is the heart of the lost. The heart of the lost. We want to reach out to those who are far from Christ and bring them in close. And, and let them experience the, 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 the change and the hope and the freedom that can come from life in Christ. And, uh, and so we, we are a church with a heart for the lost. We know the most effective way to make disciples is in personal relationships. Like you've said before, you've heard me say before, discipleship's not a class. <clears throat> it's a journey. It's a relationship. It's an investment in someone else's life. And we do that up close and personal. Um, the next one is the church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. If you're coming to church <clears throat> with a kind of consumeristic mentality of, of what can this church do for me and you know that sort of thing, um, then um, I'm not sure how happy you're going to be here because we are not so much a church that caters to us as we are a church trying to be Jesus to the world. And, and so if that is attractive to you, if, if that sounds like something that you want to be a part of, uh, a church that's trying to be Jesus to the world, then, then, then you'll probably be very happy here. That's not that we don't care about you, or not, not that we don't care about your spiritual needs or anything like that. The, the exact opposite is true. We care very much about that. Uh, but we try to foster an environment here where, um, where it's not easy for you to be selfish in your faith, that we try to think more of others than we think of ourselves and, uh, and minister more to others even, hopefully, more than we minister to ourselves as well. At least that's the goal. Uh, the next one, we give up things we love for things we love even more. It's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. It's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. That every generation, uh, well, you know, we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, the potential of a, of a, of a building in, the, in our future and that sort of thing. Um, I've been a part of a lot of different churches throughout my years. And I've heard... Uh, you know, as I've, as I've served in those churches, I've always asked, you know, what, what's the story of how this church came to be? How was this church started? How did you get this piece of property that you built a church on? Or what, you know, just tell me that story. And as, as some of the old timers in the church begin to tell me those stories, uh, one thing was common about every single one of those churches. Every single one, bar none. And I would, and I would venture to guess that this is going to be common of every church everywhere is that God impressed upon a group of people, usually at the beginning a small group of people, 
to go through some pretty extreme personal sacrifices to see a church planted where God had called them. And what that looks like for us as a church is that when you become a part of this church and, and, and you get in here and you're like, yeah, this is the church I want to be a part of and this is, you know, I want to, I want to serve here. I want to contribute my gifts here. I want everything else. That if you love this church, there's going to come a point when God is going to impress upon you to sacrifice in a way that might make you uncomfortable, but it'll be an honor to do it. It'll be an honor to do it. You guys know this in other areas of your life, that there are, there are things that have come across uh, you know, your journey in life that have been worth sacrificing for. I mean, hopefully you've got some things right now that you are sacrificing for because they're that important. You're making sacrifices for your, for your husband or for your wife. You're making sacrifices for your kids and for their future. You're, you're making these sacrifices now. Uh, and you, could, you could have uh, all the trinkets that everyone else in, in the world you know, seems to have, but you, in wisdom and in a sense of love, choose to sacrifice in a way that, that is meaningful. Because why? Because we give up things we love for things we love even more. Now, like I said earlier, I want to challenge you to begin to pray as, as individuals of this church. God, is, would you have me sacrifice in a greater way? If, if you would, impress that upon me. Just impress that upon me. The last one there is that we're going we're gonna to pray bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. With God, playing it safe is risky. We're going to pray bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. We believe that we serve, as LC said, we're a small church serving a big God. We believe we serve a big God who can show up and do God-sized things in, in our little old lives. And it is a beautiful thing uh, when he does that. And I, I, I've, I've told some of you before that I, I tend to lean towards small faith in my life. That, that I've just kind of grown up, um, I don't know if it was what, what was modeled for me or if I just kind of was me naturally or how that works, but I've just kind of grown up with small, safe faith. Um, you know, just believing God in what I could see as possible. And it's been through, uh, you know, certain leaders in my life that have uh, invested in me that I've learned to trust God for God-sized things. That if I can see how I can do it, then God's not in it. I want to step out on faith and believe God for things that are bigger than me. Amen? And we as a church, we want to be that church too. We want to pray God-sized prayers in things like, um, you know, our church getting a piece of property. And things like, um, you know, seeing people healed in our church both spiritually and physically. Uh, we, we want to see, we want to believe in God-sized things. And in, in, in the way we serve our community and the way God uh, causes that community to show up in the way that we serve. In that. We just want to believe God-sized things because he's a God-sized God. He is capable of, of so much more than we give him, give him credit for. We don't want to be a church that plays it safe. We want to be a church out there on the front edge just trusting God, hanging on with our, with our fingertips, going, God, I, you got to show up right now because I, I, I just trusted that you would. And this is what I know. This, I've seen this happen over and over and over and over. God shows up in big ways in the lives of people who believe him for big things. God shows up in big ways in the lives of people who believe him for big things. If you're a person that's been kind of sitting back thinking, 
you know, I don't really see or feel God moving in big ways in my life, and I'm not sure. It seems like, you know, I hear other people tell stories. It seems like he's moving in big ways in other people or in other churches or whatever. Then could it be that you're not trusting him big enough? That you're not believing him big enough? Don't put a, a, a don't put God in a box. Instead, allow yourself to believe him for the biggest thing. Allow yourself to believe. And those are our core values. I want to, I want to read a passage to you uh, before we close this morning. In Ephesians chapter 5. It's a verse that most of you, if you've been in church any length of time at all, you've probably heard this. If you've been to any kind of marriage counseling or marriage retreat, you've definitely heard this. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a verse that, that Paul, he's talking to, he's talking about families. He's talking about husbands and wives and how they should love each other and treat each other. And in his, in his instruction to husbands, he gives us a, a glimpse into the heart of God. Into the heart of God. And so Ephesians 5, starting with verse uh, 25. <laughs> My glasses just failed me there for a second. Um, starting with verse 25, he says this. Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Husbands, love the wife, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, this is most often and rightly so used as a teaching to husbands and how they should love their wives. But implicit in this teaching is also a teaching on how God loves us, the church. And I think a model for also for how we should love the church, how we should love the church. That we need to be a people uh, who recognize this fact. You put that next slide up. That Christ's church is worthy of your love, your care, and your honor. Christ's church is worthy of your love, your care, and your honor. What's he saying back there? Um, he says, um, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We need to be a people who will love the church. And love is defined, I think, by sacrifice. That you will sacrifice for things you love. For, th- for things that you love, you will you will you will sacrifice so much. Parents, uh, you know, spouses, you know, whatever. Uh, you 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 get this. You know this in terms of uh, the the great amounts of sacrifice that you know. First of all, you know, if you're a guy and and you fall in love with a girl, there comes a point in your life where you're like, you know what? I will give up anything to make her happy and to keep her happy. I will give up anything to make her happy and to keep her happy. You, you find yourself sacrificing for her in ways that you've never sacrificed for anything in, in your life. Now, I, I remember when, when I was in college and mad in love with Jamie. I'm even more mad in love with her now. Uh, but when I was in college and it was all fresh and everything, uh, not that we were getting fresh, but anyway, so um, anyway, when we, when we were dating in college, <laughs> we, were, we were getting fresh, by the way. So um, when we were dating in college, um, you know, I was working a part-time job sometimes and, you know, I, I, you know, paying for everything myself, that sort of thing. And, um, and I can remember, you know, I, I, I used to buy her, uh, you know, a, just like a single rose on a pretty regular basis. And, but I never had money for that. And so, but one of the most important things, in fact, when I started college, I was a music major, so to be a music teacher. 
And, um, and music was one of the most important things in my life. And this was back, you know, before everybody had CDs. I had those, remember those briefcases full of cassette tapes everybody had? I had, I don't know, five or six briefcases full of cassette tapes. And, uh, and so um, my music, those tapes were just, they, they, they held a lot of value to me. I just, I, I loved that stuff so much. But it was, once I began dating Jamie and I fell in love with her and I wanted to make her happy and keep her happy, I mean, it was, it, I made a weekly trip, you know, about a half a mile away to a local pawn shop to pawn those tapes. By the time I was done dating Jamie, I had no music anymore, right? But I, I, I would just do whatever I could, give up whatever was important to me, whatever I had saw you know, in my own life that had value to make her happy and to keep her happy. And that's the way Christ loves us, the church. He gave up for us some, to some pretty extreme measures. He sacrificed for us to, to some pretty extreme measures so that we could be in a relationship with Beautiful thing. And I think that that modeling of how he loves us and sacrifices uh, for us, I think is also the model of how we should inter interact with the church as well. Um, but this church, this bride of Christ, is beautiful and she's worth sacrificing for. She's worth giving up things that maybe we used to think were important, but now in the light of the beauty of that bride, don't seem quite as important anymore. The other thing that, that happens in this verse where it says, uh, you know, I said, I said we need to be a, a church that, that, see, or a, that sees the church as worthy of our care. You see here he says, um, he gave himself up for that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Having cleansed her. He's, he, there's this picture here of Christ, you know, taking such careful care of his bride to, to make sure she is Clean, to make sure she is safe, protected, to make sure that she gets to be the beauty that she is. We need to be a people who will care for the church in the same way, who will do whatever it takes to see this church um, safe, protected. Uh, not in terms of, you know, God, God messes up our lives in all kinds of ways. And, and, and I've always said that, you know, following God is not a safe thing. And, you know, I said earlier, playing safe is risky, and I, and I believe that. When I talk about safe and protected, I mean that we, that we hold the church in such high esteem that we will go to great measures to make sure that her image remains pure, her reputation stays intact, the truth is held in high esteem and it's, our, our doctrine is protected from people who would come in and destroy it. We care for this body. We care for this group of people. We care for each other. Whenever, whenever we need help, whenever we need each other, we, we step in and we show compassion to one another. We show love and we show forgiveness to one another. One of the, one of the beautiful, most beautiful things I see about our church is on a very regular basis, you guys sin. <laughs> I'm not joking about that. <laughs> you guys are pretty good sinners. We all are. But that's not the beautiful part. One of the most beautiful parts is that when I see us doing what humans do, which is sin, I also see a group of people in this church that will rally around that, that sinner and lift them up and pray with them 
encourage them, and forgive them, and not throw stones at them, but instead love them back into the fold. It's an honor to see that happen on a regular basis. The other thing there is that uh, Christ's church is worthy of our honor. Worthy of our honor. He, he says, since he cleanses her by the washing of water with the words, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And the, Im- the image that's being painted here, Christ is getting this all cleaned up to present him to who? Back to himself. So that she, so it should be beautiful, without spot or blemish or even wrinkle, right? The image that's being presented here is that is that of a wedding. Now, I, does anybody like going to weddings? Me, I'm the only one. Beauty, I, I love going to weddings. It's so much fun. It's free food usually, and, and uh, it's just great. I love. It's just just a party. I love a party, right? And, and weddings are great parties. And but my, I got to tell you, I, um, I probably have to cash in my man card to admit this, but but my favorite part of every wedding. My favorite part of every wedding is when the bride comes in at the back of the room. And when the bride makes her appearance, what happens? Everybody stands. Everybody stands. And and the whole room, whether it's a handful or whether it's hundreds of people, are giving honor to this beautiful bride that's walking down the aisle to meet her groom. And there's this sense, I know part of it's just kind of tradition and that's what we've done, but there's also this sense that this, this, uh, to, we got to stand in the presence of that beautiful woman. We have to stand in the presence of something so beautiful, so I mean, she took a bath today. She washed her hair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She's looking good. That dress is is incredible. She got her hair all done up. She's got the makeup. I mean, she is. She's carrying the flowers, and she is radiant. She. I mean, you, I mean, you see a bride coming down the aisle. And, there's fewer, happier people than you'll ever see in your life. I mean, that day is almost exclusively about her. And, there, and the crowd gets that sense that this is a special moment. I don't think we stand just because it's what we're supposed to do. I think we stand because, oh my gosh, here comes the bride. Here comes the bride. And there's this sense that when Christ cleans us up, he makes us pure. And not only he goes above and beyond just simply washing us up, but he, he sanctifies us. He makes us perfect so that he can present us back to himself without spot or blemish or wrinkle. Perfect. This perfect picture of beauty. You're the bride of Christ. You get the sense of honor he wants to bestow on us. I think we need to bestow that honor on each other as well. That we lift up this church as something not to be ashamed of, not to be ridiculed, not to be hated, but something to be loved. That we see the beauty that lies there. Can, can we be honest? There are days we're not beautiful. There are days we're just not beautiful. But you know what? This is what I've learned. I always use Jamie's example. Let me use myself as an example because I know she does this for me. There are days I am a horrible, horrible, horrible husband. Just, anybody, any other guys have horrible husband days? 
Yeah. There, there are days, <laughs> there are days that I'm a horrible husband. And more often than not, what I see Jamie do for me, and it's what I try to do for her as well, is that she looks beyond those horrible moments. She sees the beauty that is Pastor Jack. <laughs> she, see, she, sees the, she sees the person that she fell in love with. She sees, she remembers why, and she, she is quick to forgive. There are times that, that the world is kind of piling on me so hard that I'm so stressed out, and in just a little quick moment, I'll kind of lash out at her over something that had nothing to do with her. And there are so many times that rather than react to that angrily or get defensive, she'll just walk up to me and wrap her arms around me. And, 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 and I, I've seen her do it so many times, just wrap me up and just pray for me right there. Just pray for me. She chooses to see something that I don't demonstrate. And this is what Christ does to us all the time. He sees the beauty in us that is so often hard for us to see in ourselves. I want to challenge you to do that for the church as well. If you're that person maybe that's struggling to love the church, I want you to see beyond all the blemishes. I want you to see beyond all the faults. I want you to see the beautiful bride of Christ. That's what we are. We're the beautiful bride of Christ. He goes to so much care to love us, to sacrifice, to care for us, to honor us. Let's do that for each other as well. Let's do that for each other. Like I said, I don't know where you are in terms of your relationship with the church or you know how you feel about it, but I just want to challenge you this morning to pray and, and ask God to give you brand new eyes for the church. Regardless of what your experience or history has been with the church, however you feel about you know, how you've been treated in the past or whatever, would you just, in this moment, just ask God, God, help me to see the church the way that you see the church. Help me to see myself the way you see me. Help me to see myself that way. I want us to be a church that is so in love with Christ It causes us to also have love for our church, to want to take care of her, to sacrifice for her, to show her honor where honor is due. And to be a church that's actively about trying to live up to the image that Christ has in his head when he sees us. Those of you who have been brides, <laughs> I've seen it and I've heard the stories. And when you're getting ready for that wedding, man, you are doing everything you can to make sure you look good on that day. And all kinds of crazy dieting going on, <laughs> hair appointments, and shopping for dress, everything. I mean, you want to make sure you look so good on that day. I want us to be a church with same kind of intensity. So that when the day comes, when we're presented, presented back to Jesus Christ as his bride, as Living Hope Church, we're going to do everything we can and look as good as we can on that day. We want to be 
that beautiful bride of Christ that Christ deserves. We want to be there. Father, I love you. And thank you so much for your word. And thank you so much for our church. Thank you for bringing us all here. It's a beautiful body of believers that you brought together, God. And as you lead us in the direction that you want us to go, God, we give ourselves to you one more time. We ask that you would be our Lord, our Savior, be our groom. And as we try to live up to the image that you have of us, God, I pray that you would just continue that process of cleansing us, making us more like yourself, sanctifying us. And uh, we just love you. We love you. Lead us as individuals in the way you want us to go. Lead us as a church collectively in the way you want us to go. Bring us into the place that you have planned for us, not just in terms of a physical location, but also just in who we are as a body of believers, God. Just continue us down that path. We love you. Ask your your favor. We ask for your blessing. Pray all this in Jesus' name.